This is a Rooster Teeth production. After investigating what they thought was a crashed plane in the forest outside an Air Force base, a group of soldiers claimed they witnessed a UFO. Their sighting became one of the most well-documented UFO cases ever, with some calling it Britain's Roswell. Today we continue our theme with week two of Unsettling Forest Mysteries as we discuss the Rendlesham Forest Incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back, Task Force, to another episode of Red Web. I'm Trevor Collins, and with me is the very psychic, the very humble, the very beautiful, Alfredo Diaz. I do not have psychic powers. You do, (laughs) and we're going to keep it that way. Your gut instinct has been too on point. You've either been reading my notes or you're psychic. But welcome back to Red Web, the show all about unsolved mysteries, true crime, cryptids, supernatural events, paranormal, anything unsolved. We're we're your guys. Yeah. I'm going to open this up with... Mm -hmm. A discussion, and it's probably just because I, I saw Nope two weeks ago when it was released. Absolutely. And, and the big thing there is just like, if a spaceship were to crash land right now, yeah, in this office, Boom. we survive. Whatever, right? It just landed. We're we're good. We're surviving. We're gonna be dissected and questioned by scientists. By the way, if we survive something like that, uh, true. <laughs> okay, but anyway. or just close enough for us to go be there first. We're yeah, hanging yeah. out. It happens. All right, restructure it. We're hanging out. Okay, best buds. We're vibing and vaping at Boom. the crash site. <laughs> crash land. <laughs> crash crash lands close to us. Uh-huh. We're the first ones there. Yes. Like stick your say, hand in say it. Say we infected. have access to this for an obscene absurd amount of time, 24 hours. Yes. How the hell would we prove that this thing is real? iPhone. IG live stream. Live stream, right? Yeah. Like a live stream. And they'd be like, wow, that's some really dope CG effects on that live stream. And I'd be like, no, dude, it's real. I, I just wouldn't touch it. I've seen too many movies, though. Right, you get, we wouldn't you get stuck by something, then you become a zombie or infected. Touch it. Or, yeah. But just like whether it's terrible quality or super high quality, I just feel like it's so hard to prove things nowadays. Right. What if you like just touch it with a stick or like chuck a rock at it? We so it's know like it's real. Contact. Christian, I'm talking, talking about, about the, the caveman so test. show with a in the video. with rock. <laughs> like Smash not with stick. it through a CG just, animation. The <laughs> this, I was like... You want your proof? Here's your proof. <laughs> <laughs> Holds the stick up into the air and starts poking the UFO. Yeah, and then they he can shatters see it. They can hear it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a valid point. Catch, catch that thing in 4K. Stream it so that yeah. way immediately if, if the servers get wiped or whatever, someone is gonna, has captured. Yeah. You just need to say, capture my screen. Start screen recording this. This needs to be yeah. found. Oh, my God. We just discovered a UFO just crash landed. Red Web Task Force. Is here yeah. at Red Web Hot. And you start just throwing out all the... Right, like- <laughs> right, right. You just data dump. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's see if that happened at the Rendlesham Forest incident, because this is one of the most documented cases, though I doubt by your facial expression you've ever heard of this one. No. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> I, that, see, listen, I love that we've covered some of the UK stuff, because we covered what was what amounts to essentially Area 51 of the UK. Yeah. And now we're talking about... You know, Roswell, a very well-known New Mexico, United States kind of UFO incident. There's a lot of parallels with this one. So let's talk about it. Continuing, like I said, our theme month, this is week two, talking about mysteries and creepy incidents happening in the forest. We're going to cover a lot of things, not just 
Not just the paranormal, not just UFOs. There's some true crime happening in Forest too. Check that out last week with the Witch Elm. Anyway, let's dive in. Rendlesham Forest sits in Suffolk, England, two hours northeast of London. The forest is roughly 3,700 acres or 5.8 square miles if you prefer. Filled with paths for walkers and cyclists, camping grounds, cafes, sculptures, and many more. If you were to search this now, many of the autocompletes are for people camping and going for leisure activities. The forest bordered former military airfields, the Royal Air Force Woodbridge, as well as the Royal Air Force Bentwaters, which was home to the U.S. Air Force during the Cold War. So you're going to hear a lot about the U.S. Air Force activity here in the U.K., so don't get it mixed up here. Now, the incident went down at 3 a.m., the witching hour, on December 26, 1980. There was a strange light that was reported. So this is, by the way, the day after Christmas, the night after Christmas. This, oh. So this wasn't claws in the air. Then okay, we didn't not, catch Santa. Not only do you not have that many people on call, but you probably have like, oh man, you're, you're deep in that roster. Yeah, right. You're not talking about like the all stars. It's like you're in. You the people that are like manning the posts are people that are usually on the bench. Mm. You know. Yeah, a lot of sensitive stuff to protect around that area. There's a lot of theories as to what went down that night. Okay, and I feel like no matter which way the cookie crumbles. If something's going down outside of a U.S. Air Force or a Royal Air Force mm -hmm. base, some problems. So this was of, just outside of, of it? This, Yeah, the forest is bordered by two Air Force bases. So for this Damn. to go down right there, they could raise a have, lot of eyebrows. The UFO could not have picked the worst place. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. <laughs> we'll get into it. So we'll talk about the incident. Then we'll unfold how people kind of researched or kind of tried to dissect what went down. And then, of course, the theories of this one are very colorful. They range in a lot of from the pragmatic to the very interesting. So anyway, to continue on, uh, it went it went down at 3 a.m. December 26, 1980, and there was a strange light that was reported in the forest during a patrol of the East Gate of Woodbridge. Thinking that the lights may have been coming from a crashed plane or perhaps a helicopter, U.S. Air Force personnel, including Jim Penniston, John Burroughs, and Ed cabin sag went to investigate they trekked deep into the forest until they started hearing animals of nearby farms and these animals were making sounds of distress as if something was bothering them something that they weren't used to so imagine now very eerily deep in the night very dark you just saw a light in these forests you keep going into these forests not knowing nope. what you're about to see mm -hmm. and you hear animals in the distance all around you just kind of crying in distress double note that's um, uh Here's you're, the thing. You're, you're strapped in at that uh, point. No, no, just go ahead and pull that ripcord. Um, you're trying to eject like Batman in the dark night, <laughs> like out of there. get I'm a plane to there. pull you out of there so fast. Here's the thing: like, if the animals are going crazy, even if it's not like some UFO thing, you know that there's just like I don't know, maybe some type of predator, sure, like wolf. But what or predator causes like lights? Someone strap a light on a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> this light has a flashlight strapped to its head. Um. Yeah, see, that's just like like a what worst case, uh, best case scenario is just mm -hmm. I don't know people doing some late night stuff. Sure, uh, it, it offers the opportunity for it to something. be, you know, some uh, some yabos uh, yeah. to use some English slang if I'm using that right. Some like yabo. Yeah, you know, some yuppies, some young unemployed ah. running around, running amok, Hooligans. teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Just trying to like do do some pranks, you know, a gentle prank at an air force base. What could go wrong? Well, Burroughs and Penniston claimed that they received a radio message from Heathrow Airport stating that an object was seen over Woodbridge on radar. 
So that'll be very interesting. That'll come up later. They entered a clearing where they came across a metallic triangular craft that was about 2.3 meters across by two meters tall. If you prefer feet, that's about six and a half feet to 10 feet wide, quite a range there. And then about six and a half feet tall. Triangular craft had a pulsating red light on top with blue lights on the bottom. There's a very kind of rough sketch that they offered at that time. I'll show you here and now, but yeah, it's a triangle with a red ball at the top indicating the red slash orangey light, blue blinking and pulsating lights at the bottom. And then on this drawing, he indicates there's a roundish kind of area for a white light, almost like a spotlight down below it. The aerodynamics on that thing, would a triangle have great, wouldn't like- I think there'd be a lot of, if it was going through an atmosphere, you hard edges like a triangle, especially if they're more acute, would just create separation on the airflow, which creates negative yeah, pressure, would... creates a lot of skin drag. But if it's an interstellar capsule, with nuclear power. I don't really think they care about aerodynamics. I think, yeah. you know, they're just, they're mostly in space. And then when they're at a planet with atmosphere, they just kind of whatever, I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. It also depends, you know, if they're bending space time to move around, they're not that's really true. impacted like that. I don't know. I don't know what kind of craft we're working with, but that's what they it's, kind of describe. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's different than what we usually, you know, use it's like a saucer. And it's like, how to describe it to plates yeah you said literally two plates one up cut together yeah. yeah and then like a little teacup on top so many people tweeted us <laughs> images yeah. of that they're like is this the aircraft like, oh my god i found a ufo in my dining room <laughs> but that's what it looks like that's why they're called flying saucers because yeah. the saucer is traditionally that cup that holds all your tea dribble right yeah it's like a fancy cup holder or a fancy coaster yeah, and this is just way different. Triangle with a ball on top. Right. Imagine they looked a little different and we call them flying doilies. You know what I mean? You know what a doily is? That little paper thing that you set your cup on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So they saw this triangular craft. They made these sketches. They described it. They also said, quote, it illuminated the entire forest with a white light. This will be very important later on for one of the theories. People, other people must have seen that then. Oh, Definitely. So when they describe this aircraft, that there's a few conflicts. Of course, with every word of mouth story, there are a few conflicts. One of them being about how it was sat in this clearing. Some thought it might have hovered. Some thought it was supported by legs. Oh, yeah, that's way out there. Too different. <laughs> so as we're talking about a triangle UFO, like right. it might have been legs. Well, that's weird. Right, like landing gear, essentially. <laughs> So when they approached this aircraft, it flew away, just suddenly left the clearing and off it went. The following morning, airmen returned to this site in order to figure out what went down, investigate the area. And they found three depressions in the ground making an equilateral triangle shape on the ground. So basically as if something heavy and something with a triangular pattern of landing gear had sat in that area. It confirms essentially to them that what they saw that night was real, that yeah. something was there. Just what is it is the question. So police were also called to investigate, but they believe that the marks were simply caused by burrowing animals, that these weren't depressions by a craft, but rather just wildlife doing their thing. Now on December 28th, Deputy Base Commander Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, we'll talk about him quite a bit, he visited the supposed landing site with other airmen. They attempted to use floodlights to assist their investigation, but those floodlights began malfunctioning during their investigation. Halt and his team also took radiation measurements of this area, including the impressions, and found 
a few subtle signals of beta and gamma radiation on this scale of about 0.1 millirankins. So very simply, millirankins are a way to measure, it's a, it's a unit to measure the electric charge released by radiation. This isn't a whole lot of radiation. We'll kind of talk about this more in the theories as well, but again, very simply, the average person's exposure is about one millirankin. And this is measuring 0.1 yeah. millirankins. The reason why this is interesting and uh, I'll probably talk about this again later, is that the surrounding area had an average background radiation measurement of 0.015, whereas this site and the gear kind Which of spots in particular was ever 0.1. so slightly. So it's, so it's slight, it's easy to dismiss. However, it is just about, well, it's 10 times or so the surrounding True. area. Like, I wonder if that's just like, I guess that's, I mean, that is above average, but I just wonder if there's like, what the actual scientific hmm like what the reasoning for it being there is and why it's so subtle or? wrap my head around it like yeah what would be the scientific reasoning as to why yeah this would spike right or, right or like a very very minor spike well i can say that uranium is present usually in the ground very very subtle trace amounts which release radiation there's radon naturally occurring in the air. There's a lot of things that surprisingly kind of emit radioactive activity. Again, there's a, a few reasons why you could totally dismiss this measurement, but there are also, well, there's one strong reason why you wouldn't, given that the surrounding area wasn't necessarily reading as high. Mm. And according to Halt himself, the radiation levels peaked at the center of this triangle as well as at the depressions, which is what kind of keep them interested on this. So it's one of those factoids I wanted to mention, but could really sway you depending on how you looked at it on is this real or is this kind of just a MacGuffin? Now, while investigating the radiation, they witnessed a, quote, red sun-like light from the east, which sent out glowing particles and eventually became five glowing pieces before totally disappearing. Later still into the investigation, three elliptical-shaped star-like objects were witnessed moving quickly and angularly, one in the south and two in the north. The two in the north remained there for over an hour, while the one in the south was visible for around three hours. And this was in the forest? And this is in the forest, kind of as they were investigating this clearing. These are some of the ongoing. So very briefly, they saw a red sun-like light they had their spotlights malfunctioning. They picked up subtle increases, very subtle increases in radiation. And they also saw two lights in the north and one in the south. The south one lasting about three hours, the other two in the north being a little bit shorter. Did they not want to book it to these lights? I believe that at one point they, they tried to follow one of the beams. And we'll talk about that later on. But okay. the southern light beamed light down at them every so often, which was something of interest uh, but Halt requested radar of these objects because obviously you're like, well, something's in the air. And we had previous information from Heathrow that something was pinged on the radar. So let's get more of that. Well, these lights didn't seem to appear on radar. However, there are some verbal conflicting sources claiming otherwise that perhaps these were on radar, but have since been scrubbed from the records. This is where things really start to yeah. get hairy because you're now in the realm of storytelling and memory right which can be exaggerated and then, and then also potentially the government muddying the waters and the information sure. just the cause confusion and chaos yep um it seems at least as of right now that there's just 
a hand. I mean, there's a good chunk of people that are seeing things mm -hmm. and potentially tangible things, whether it be the lights or what's the, you know what they're examining. That's pretty wild. I mean, we've had some people be like, "Oh, we've seen all a ton of people have seen things in the sky," right? But this is just like, "Oh, there's a light down there." Yeah, and it up for hours. Hmm. Okay. There's some really interesting. Now, I hate to tease, but you know, I want to put the information where it belongs to keep this all organized for the sake of following what's going on here. So that's the story as it unfolded. Now, I, I want to remind everybody. There's some really interesting information in the theories section that we're going to discuss around certain landmarks in the area and certain other events that went down. And what you're going to find is there's a trend that really causes a lot of confusion around this incident where there's a, a conflation of events and explanations that all work well together at the same time. Uh, oh. it, it's it's very interesting, and we'll we'll get into all that. There was a construction site or a light tower. There's a train that circles half of the perimeter of the damn forest. Right, right. There's a lot of things going on, and they can almost all exist at the same time. Damn. Okay. So it's like a, 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 a yeah. I don't know. Anyway, let's let's talk about the response though. So so that's how it went down that night, and Halt reported his experience and other details of the sighting in what would become the Halt memo. This is really what helped kick this whole thing off and make it one of the most documented UFO incidents to date. Now, he sent this memo to the Ministry of Defense, aka the MOD, which I'll say a lot, two weeks after his experience in the forest. Some of the info, such as the dates that he includes in this memo, are incorrect because this memo was mostly written from memory. Nobody went through a proofread right. situation here. But the memo wasn't released to the public, though, until the Freedom of Information Act request on... June of 1983. Okay, like three years later. Yeah. In the cover letter of this memo, Colonel Peter Bent mentions that the U.S. Air Force discarded their copy of the memo, so they had to go get the copy from the Royal Air Force. Interesting, we're immediately losing and throwing why, away data. <laughs> why are we... Why? This, well, you this, know, if this, you don't think there's anything to it, or if there's a cover-up, delete it. Uh, yeah, yeah. The cover, the cover-up portion makes sense. But like when you're investigating something and it could potentially at some point you could have a breakthrough and be like, oh, my God, this mm -hmm. is like a huge discovery. It's going to change mankind. And you go, I discarded my notes. Right. Oh, we won't need this. Damn. Like, extraterrestrial walks on Earth. Nah, we don't need that. Right. Get rid of it. <laughs> now, the public was first informed of this incident around the same time, October 2nd, 1983, via an article in News of the World titled UFO Lands in Suffolk. So it isn't until almost three full years later that this becomes public knowledge. The memo in the article sparked so much popularity that Rendlesham became known as the UFO capital of the UK. Halt's experience was also recorded on tape and released to the public in 1984, and then journalist Ian Ridpath transcribed this recording in order to release it to the public. And one of the things that was interesting that came from this recording now transcribed was that the supposedly the highest radiation recording at the landing site wasn't 0.1, but rather 0.07 millirankins, which one might think is a rounding error, but that's about a 30% decrease on this radiation. Yeah. So if evidence. anything, like slightly more in line with the average, yes, yeah. it, it kind of softens it as a strong piece of evidence, but I don't know. It, it's, 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 I don't know what to do with that, you know? Right. It's a real gray zone. It's just, the thing is, like, 
the radiation on average is so small mm -hmm. and minuscule. Then you just like slightly higher. Right. In the grand scale of things. Right. And it's like 10 times more or something like that. But then right there, you just, you just feel like you're dealing with like little grains of salt. <laughs> right. It's just like, hey, I'm ten, it's it's normally three grains of salt, and then we've got ten grains, and you know what? It's actually seven grains. And in the grand scheme of things, like it's just that's not much. Um, is it like a thing, or maybe it's just like because it's in in the UK or, or whatnot? How are they able to just divulge all this information like three years later? So three years later, because the U.S. had a footprint at one of those Royal Air Force uh -huh. bases. The Freedom of Information Act request came through in June of 1983 and said, hey, what went down there? And because of that, they have to divulge that information. Now, if there are security issues mm -hmm. and actively going on like pieces Invest of uh, investigation yeah, and stuff like that, yeah, they would mark out things or they would deny the Freedom of Information release. But um, that, that, but that's essentially why it came out. Right. They're like, yeah, there's nothing here. Here mm -hmm. you go. That's yeah. crazy because I was like three years. What a like quick turnaround for it to just be like, it's all to the public. Even the recordings and everything. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. yeah. The public got a lot. So it's a lot. And that's why it helped make it so well documented, but kind of coming back to the, the response to this, that's kind of what went down with some of the journalists and, and some of the interviews. Now, during the two weeks between the incident and between Halt's experiences going out via the memo, something else went down that's actually quite relevant to one of our episodes a few weeks ago. There was a forestry worker named Vince Thurkettle. He was visited by two men in black suits in that two-week window. So before the memo was even made, before, like years before this was super public, this guy is saying, hey, I work at the forest. These two guys in black suits came up to me and asked me a few questions. I work at the forest. Well, he's a, he's, he's a forestry worker. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. But just, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what they do. No, for sure. It's really funny. Hey, I work at the forest. Hey, this is my office. <laughs> I would have been like, work? What do you do? What, do you do? what exactly do you do? That's I awesome. commune with the trees. Yeah. So anyway, coming back to this, uh, the men questioned Thurkettle, asking him what he saw, if he saw anything on the night of the 26th while working in the forest. Thurkettle said that they asked him things like, quote, did you leave the house at all? Did you see anything? And when he didn't know what they were talking about, they said, quote, oh, there's some report of red lights in the forest. We're just checking. So it's interesting to me that they're divulging any information. They should have just said, we're just asking questions to gather information about an incident. But they, but they said, no, no, no. They like seeded him with the idea that there were red lights. Maybe that was a tactic. Maybe. See how he reacted. Maybe it's a tactic to get him to say something about it. Like, no, 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 it wasn't a craft. You just saw some lights. Yeah. I don't know. Or, yeah, I mean, if you did see something, right? If, if the red lights was the thing that was like, look, if anyone was to see anything, it was the red lights. Mm -hmm. You just straight up be like, oh, yeah, you know that thing that you're like, that's weird. Yeah, there are some red lights. We know, you know, it's, it's all good. Yeah. So he responds to that by just saying, okay, well, fair enough. And they go, good day. And then they leave. That's pretty much all that happened there. Okay. But it's interesting that these the potential men in black yeah. arrived at yet another UFO incident. Um, we've talked about them quite a bit. Um, but ultimately, little was known about how the Ministry of Defense handled the investigation, especially after Halt's memo came through, until recently in the early 2000s, documents were released to the public. 
This is how we now know how the MOD kind of responded. Former civil servant assigned to the UFO files at the MOD, Simon Whedon, he told journalist Dr. David Clark that, quote, they didn't investigate, but they acted as fact finders, consulting with experts in areas like radar and air defense. The Rendlesham incident ultimately was not considered a defense concern, and so the MOD kind of dismissed it. This is why I think it was so allowed to become public, because they thought in their mind, this wasn't a security issue, this isn't a defense issue, no threat. It's just a conflation of a few events. Yeah, a bunch of different random things happen, which caused this confusion, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing to see here. Yeah. Now, retired Admiral of the Fleet, Lord Peter Hill Norton, questioned the lack of investigation regarding the incident in 1985. He told the MOD that the incident had, quote, puzzling and disquieting features, which have never been satisfactorily explained by your department. Again, this is to the Ministry of Defense. And then in later correspondence in 1997 with the MOD, Lord Hill Norton wrote, quote, My position both privately and publicly expressed over the last dozen years or more is that there are only two possibilities. Either A, an intrusion into our airspace and a landing by an unidentified craft took place at Rendlesham as described, or B, the deputy commander of an operational nuclear-armed U.S. Air Force base in England and a large number of his enlisted men were either hallucinating or lying. Either of these simply must be of interest to the Ministry of Defense. Basically pushing back saying, MOD, regardless of what went down, either it's factually what people are saying or your men under your enlistment are hallucinating or lying or something, this should be of your interest. It's literally what you should be looking into. Yeah. Um, Interesting that you would say that your men are hallucinating. Well, they're either seeing things or they're lying about what they saw. Oh, I took it as like, they're either on some type of like government Mm. drug or... Yeah, I mean, I went radical with it. But either way, wouldn't yeah. the MOD want to investigate that? Yeah, I mean, everything there is just like, it seems... But then, I guess they did investigate if they had some experts jump into the field, right? Because they talked about they had, like, certain ex- experts. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they had people like Air Force members from the mm-hmm. base come out and check it out. Radar experts, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, you I know... I feel like they, that they did, like, some investigating. Yeah. It might have been like a light touch, but they investigated. They actually took yeah. that step and they went, eh. We're, we're getting there. We're like, I, again, I keep bearing the lead. But in the in the theories, you'll, you'll kind of understand how there's enough to lean on for the MOD to be like, nah, don't worry about it. But there's also enough to lean on that says, I don't know. I don't know if I would want my de- Ministry of Defense to be so dismissive of some of these things. Just, you know, all True. things considered. Ultimately, though, a few years after he said those words... He asked the case to be reopened in 2001. The MOD then finally responded with this, quote, No additional information has come to light over the last 20 years to call into question the original judgment of the Ministry of Defense that nothing of defense significance occurred in the location of Rendlesham Forest in 1980. Accordingly, there is no reason to hold an investigation now. Basically saying, nah, we're good. We trust ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, we feel like we nailed yeah. The, the judgment call on this one. Mm-hmm. And then in 2009, the MOD ended all investigation on UFO reports. Christian, was that all? All UFO incidents? Or was it specifically putting to... Because it sounds like they already put this one to rest. Right. But in 2009, they're essentially going, 
any open UFO investigation done. What a blanket statement. Like, right. Just all like prior? Sounds like it. I'll, hey. let, I'll let Christian just uh, just to be super clear kind of clarify. But as he's looking into that, yeah, I'll go through these last few wild. minutes. Wild. You know, I never thought of the government just being like, look, this year past, you know, mm -hmm. or this year previously. Right. Nah. He's good. like, aliens come in 2010, so we'll we're just good. close all these ones up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, UFO investigator and former MOD civil servant of the, quote, UFO desk, Nick Pope, was interviewed on the show called I Know What I Saw back in 2009. In that interview, he used the internal memo from the MOD files, which said, quote, the value of 0.1 millirankins seems significantly higher than the average background of 0. 015 millirankins. He went on to use these files as an argument that the MOD never undertook any investigation into the radiation levels, therefore never establishing the truth about Halt's findings, basically calling the MOD kind of hypocritical, that they are acknowledging a few outlying elements that are worth investigating, but then at the same time you're saying there's nothing worth investigating here because it's not a security issue, so just end it. Right. But also along the way, it's like you, you didn't do your due diligence type right. thing, right? Just like you kind of looked at it, right? didn't really chase anything down, and you're, you're like, yeah, it's all good. Well, you're admitting that something was a little out of ordinary, right? but because it's not a security issue, leave it. <sighs> Weird. It's possible. It could just be a natural occurrence, but that's when I would want at least a, a private company or a private team or some other team to come through and Debunk the radiation thing or thoroughly explain it. I don't know. I just also feel like you're between. Here's the thing, too. Like, I, I don't know what kind of jurisdiction the U.S. would have across, like, you know, on foreign soil. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you're between two air bases, you think either the U.K. or the U.S. would take extra measures? I mean, if it's, like, between two air bases. But yeah. Then, like, I, I guess, like. Again, I don't know what level of authority the U.S. has on, like, foreign soil, but... Probably very little. Right. Except for at this base where there is a, like, a an actual partnership yeah. to have U.S. Air Force. Well, yeah. You know. Well, the, yeah, like, there's partnership and uh, at least authority enough to exist, and, Yeah. you know, even in the same space. But, like, for both of them, just go, eh, it's good. Yeah. That's I weird. Mean, it... it like I said, there. At the very end of this, I'll outline all the conflationary events okay. to me. But like right now, what we have is a few conflicting sources of the story. I mean, even far as detailed as was it hovering or on three legs? Uh, you have a little bit with that in the radiation. You have both governments, not with different stories, but one government immediately going, "No, no, no! It's not a security or defensive threat." So we're going to throw it out because that's what the MOD is about. They're not just like, let's investigate this odd natural event. Um, then there's also some meteorological stuff going down. There are some landmarks in the area that will impact this. So I almost think that as we get into the theories that this was just a very, very unique stretch of circumstances. And what you're talking about with the US and the Royal Air Force both being in the area just adds more. So it creates a very muddy environment to really, yeah. makes it hard to dissect all of the, the pure truth. Man, there's going to be some like asteroid or pieces of debris. I'm telling you, this man's psychic. Oh, <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> All right, Christian, what, what what went down in 2009 with MOD and UFO files? Yeah, I double checked and in 2009, the MOD did completely shutter its entire UFO division or, or unit, whatever you want to call it. They basically said it was a waste of time and money. That's awesome. That's awesome. Wow. That's such a different take than what we hear in the US. Yeah, the US is like, no, no, no. Yeah. We won't talk about it. Right. Stay off of, uh, stay out of Area 51. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they and said that, uh, sorry to interrupt, they said, uh, quote, no UFO sighting reported to the MOD has ever revealed anything to suggest an extraterrestrial presence or military threat to the UK. You just got to appreciate how candid the English You're can be. so candid. I love that. They're like, there's been no threat. There's been no contact. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And waste the goddamn <laughs> <laughs> But you know what? I feel a bifurcation. I feel it in the task force. There's something in the air. Like, what that does to, to people like you and me, right, as mm -hmm. we kind of investigate these things, is it is it splits the mind. On one hand, you think, well, is the government just carte blanche wiping out all UFO stuff because they're covering something up? Or pragmatically, is it because it actually is a waste of resources and it's getting in the way of actual defensive military strategy, whatever, so they just say, no, please stop poking us about these things that aren't as fancy as UFOs. They're just small things. I mean, if you think about it on like, a realistic train of thought. How big is that division really? The MOD? <laughs> no, I'm talking about like the oh, specific oh, group. The, the UFO That is, is like the UFO team, right? Right. How big is that group really? Yeah. What they use in terms of tech must be expensive to use mm -hmm. and probably has a ton of different other priorities. It's just like, and then what do you do 365 days of the year. Man, that must be a very interesting job. Just, well, I'm sure just you sift through a lot of stories, a lot of emails saying, I saw something. I got yeah. sucked up into the well, air. But then I guess Toes you just first, spat onto the roof of a Wendy's <laughs> with my pants off. <laughs> spat onto the roof of a Wendy's. It's always a Wendy's. Yeah, it's an SNL sketch. Yeah. But I'd love that's your, your go-to reference. Oh, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. But here's the thing. You... you Kind of made me start thinking about something. So Nick Pope, who we just quoted about, hey, why aren't we actually looking into the radiation? Because you did say, actually, it did spike up to point one. You know, he said this all in 2009 at this in the same year that essentially the entire UFO desk, as it were, was shuttered at the MOD. So do you now have a disgruntled employee who's going to either lash out with facts or lash out emotionally because his essentially his department was just shuttered? Or do you have somebody who's a firm believer who thinks that this is all being swept under the rug? Like, it really calls into question some of his motivation, right? Not to disparage the individual, but I mean, you know, 2009, the same year that uh, they just nixed all the stuff that he had been working on, right? I will say, if you're a part of that division and you're emotional and disgruntled, how do you not see this coming? Mm. <laughs> like, you just thought you'd be rocking in the U, like the UFO division for mm -hmm. until you retire. I don't know. I'd feel like if I was a part of that division, I'd be like, man, we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, like, what use am I going to be really? Unless there is actual UFO stuff. Yeah. What use am I really? I'm just sh like sifting through a bunch of. You're working uh, your way up to be a men in black. You're working way, you're way up like a Will Smith character trying to get that suit on, you know, and trying to make it look good. True. <laughs> I guess you could be training for that or studying Fingerprints for melted that. off. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's interesting. I you know it also makes me think, especially since this one this this incident went down in 1980, that if you were to use if you were to plot out the incidents per year, with the y-axis being the number of incidents and the x-axis being whatever year it is, I almost feel like you'd see a bell curve of incidents and UFO sightings that would strongly correlate to the war efforts and the Cold War threats and the growth of tech with the space race and everything. I think it's in the zeitgeist. It's on the tongue. There's a lot of things going down. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of top secret files happening. So I think there's a value to a UFO desk, uh, to a UFO department. Now, whether it's strictly about aliens or a kind of hybrid team that's, oh, that's just our alien department, but actually they're kind of, they're seeking information regarding what the air quotes enemy is up to, what kind of satellites are out there or missiles activities are happening. Like, I don't know. And maybe as things wound down going into the 21st century, these departments kind of shudder mm. and we start throwing out the baby with the bathwater saying that none of these are substantial or relevant to us anymore. Maybe mm. that's what it is. It could be. Or the flip side, the government's just like, yeah, right. doesn't right. exist. We're disbanding. Right. The group we operate then, on people taxes okay we're yeah. not gonna start funding no but they say you know, all that and they're like no we're just kidding that's a public thing keep it going right right keep it going yeah. doing great anyway i mean you can see now how this relates so well to roswell yeah um you know some mysterious craft that has a lot of eyewitnesses showed up somewhere there were pictures that then disappeared there's different conflicting stories it's so interesting and with that said Let's dive into the theories because there's so much more information, especially once you get into the realm of each particular theory. Yeah. I want to know what the excuses are for the lights. Yeah. Well, I think, like I said, your gut instinct is always is right in line with some of these things. And I want to say for the believers out there, the people that tend to believe more in the supernatural and they have their, eye, their mind more open to aliens, don't be deflated by these first couple theories because, again, it's a conflation of a lot of events. There's still some unknown, despite some of these theories being pre pretty strong answers as to what went down. Hey there, Task Force. Trevor here, as always, with some updates here on Red Web. Reminder that we have the Pin of the Month Club happening now, the beginning of every month. That first Monday, you can mark your calendars. We got a new pin every month. In fact, the first Monday of September is actually going to have a pin as well as a shirt. So that's September 5th. Be on the lookout. And then later in the month, we'll actually have a little coin, a commemorative coin that I will we'll start talking about a little bit more that supports two of our uh, least favorite creatures, if you know what we're talking about. But otherwise, that will actually come out with a, a new project that Red Web is launching there in September as well. So all ears on deck, all eyes on social. Red Web has some stuff in the works and they are finally coming to fruition. If you like Red Web, you want more content out of these boys, it's coming. Don't you worry. With that said, though, I want to talk about some of our sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by Audible. These days, everyone has wild schedules. I'm sure many of you task force members, you're always on the go, always got something to do, always got something to see. And we don't have a lot of times to do the things that we might want to do, such as reading. And that's why we're talking about Audible, okay? Because Audible offers an incredible selection of audiobooks across every single genre. You've got bestsellers in there all the way to new releases, to celebrity memoirs. There's mysteries and thrillers. You got motivational stuff. You got wellness stuff, business, and so much more. You'll discover exclusive Audible originals from top celebrities, renowned experts, and exciting new voices in audio. 
All Audible members get access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts that are all included with that membership. You can listen to all you want and more gets added every single month. I've used Audible many times in the past when I'm ever in the gym, excited about my workout, but also want to keep my stories going. I listened to American Gods, and that was a really fun way to listen to that amazing story by Neil Gaiman, but also still get my swole on in the gym like a scientist, you know. But that's the thing. If you ever want to get outside, you ever want to work out, there's a lot of goals we all have. I love that Audible can come in and help facilitate that, distract your brain from maybe the stamina that you need while you're running. So you can listen to those favorite books of yours while you're doing other stuff. It's really nice. I really enjoy that. Let Audible help you discover new ways to laugh, be inspired, or simply be entertained. New members can try it for free for 30 days by visiting audible.com slash redweb or simply text redweb to 500-500. Once again, that's audible.com slash redweb or text redweb to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash RedWeb. This episode of RedWeb is also sponsored by Surfshark. Websites, hackers, and third-party companies all monitor your online behavior. Even your internet service provider, your ISP, can monitor and sell your online behavior to other third parties. In short, you explore and do your thing online just living your life, and some other people are profiting off that activity. Unless you have a VPN. The easy-to-use product that can help you prevent all of what I just said. It masks your location and makes it more difficult to distinguish you from a crowd of other users. And if you want even more security, Surfshark also has your back. They have an awesome product called Surfshark Alert, which alerts you every time your personal data has been leaked online somewhere. They also have Surfshark Search, which enables you to use a search engine like you would. However, it doesn't have any of the tracking or targeted ads that clogs up the other works. It's pretty nice. Try Surfshark risk-free for 30 days or get your money back. It's a guarantee, they say. Get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals slash redweb. Enter promo code redweb for 83, okay, a whopping 83% off and three extra months for free. Once again, that's surfshark.deals slash redweb. And with that said, let's dive right back into the forest. Let's dive into the first one, that this was some form of astronomical phenomenon. Astronomers reported a fireball meteor falling over southern England around the time of the first reported UFO sighting in Rendlesham. This may have been what was caught on radar by Heathrow. Halt claimed that one of the bright lights broke up into five other lights and then disappeared, and this could have been a meteor because that is very common for a meteor to break up in the atmosphere. Broke up, a light, mm -hmm. yeah. In fact, the British Astronomical Association reported that the same night of the Rendlesham incident, there was a, quote, fireball meteor uh, that was seen around 2.50 a.m. That's about 10 minutes shy of this incident going down. It was also not the only meteor seen in southern England that night. Others have stated that the star-like objects Halt saw might have been simply that, actual stars. UFO sightings have commonly been debunked over the years as being misinterpretations of stars or other astronomical events, and astronomers have theorized that they may have been stars giving off that supernatural aura in some way due to atmospheric conditions that create optical illusions. It's, it's very easy claim to make. It's it's hard to, to prove because there's so many rare 
atmospheric events that happened, but either way, it is an interesting solve for what went down that night. And as mentioned before, two of the star-like objects were, were in the north and one was in the south, and that southernmost light matched roughly the position of Sirius, which is the brightest star in the night sky. And so perhaps that is what they were seeing in the south. That's it. That's what they saw. Now, remember the conflation of events. Mm. The subtle spike of radiation, the clearing in the woods with the uh, supposed mm. landing gear. It doesn't answer those pieces, but it does answer the one star going into, or the one light going into five for sure. I mean, it could also answer the slight spike in radiation. It could. Yeah. It could if, if like a piece of one of those meteors ended up in this clearing or created yeah. the clearing. Or just Absolutely. little like chips in the like soil. Yeah. But like, yeah, slight spike. There goes the light. Mm -hmm. Now look, in terms of what the men saw, I don't know what they were on that night. Right. They're like, listen, I could sell a novel off this night. Right. You know? And the meteors like came on in and then all of a sudden, you know, they saw, they saw some stuff and like, yeah. would it look like this? Mm-hmm. Huh. You know, that really draws into question... Right. Like the very question you brought up at the top of this, Mr. Psychic, like when we these days, 2022, show up at a place, an incident, whatever, phones at the ready, talking about live streaming it, capturing it all and disseminating it to the hive mind of the Internet. We're talking about the 80s. Totally different way of thinking. These are all things that are now ingrained in us as tools. True. I really wonder, like, I mean, we could talk to our parents, of course, but I would be very interested to know from an adult of that age, like what would go through their mind given the tools of the environment? Like, because right. are they thinking like, I should turn this into a book? That's how I get the information out. I should really take this I, truth and exaggerate it I to make some news. go to the news. newspaper? Like, yeah. But, but then in telling the story, does it go through the news filter of getting exaggerated for the sake of selling papers? Like, right. it's just a totally different Or even different then, situation. it's just like, I, you saw some lines. You're like, no, 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 but there yeah. was a triangle with a red ball on right. top. To, and... be, to, be, to make it feel like you're less of a foolish person and yeah. so you can't be dismissed, you add more details perhaps. Like, no, 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 and then it flew away. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Well, like I said, don't be deflated because while it does sound very pragmatic, there are some other very interesting theories that certainly answer what went down that night. Question. Yes. Before we get into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had debris from, outer, you know, outer yeah. space land on Earth and whatnot mm -hmm. and stuff that we've actually, like, gathered. I, I mean, is that like... I know nothing about this. This has been like rare minerals that we've oh yeah gathered absolutely. From that. Um, I what, mean, what do we even do with that? Usually, we analyze it. Normally, that goes to a space agency where they would kind of be very careful with it, analyze it for microbes or anything of yeah. that nature. Usually, do scans on it before kind of really getting into it. But you can like take core samples or whatever, analyze what's in it. A lot of times, it's iron or nickel or a base metal that you would find at the core of a planet because these rocks are yeah. baby planets. And oh, you know what I mean? And they, they usually like, collide and right. make the planets and whatnot. But oh, okay. Yeah. No, I was just questioning. I was like, oh man, that, that must be so cool to be like, this is way oh, yeah. out there. I'm sure there are some rare metals like in trace ways. There's yeah. definitely radioactive elements. Oh, but, a thousand percent. But those That'd heavier elements to be take, like, I don't know what this like mineral is or yeah something like that. they're usually much more basic yeah like I would those assume so those uh rare metals are much heavier many like the the atomic weight is much heavier so they take a lot more time pressure and energy mm -hmm. to to make whereas something that iron is is 
much more readily available yeah. than Cosmos. But with all that said, space geekisms aside, Orfordness Lighthouse is the next theory because the lighthouse was on Orford Ness in Suffolk, England, and it was torn down in 2020, so we can't really go and check it out and see how it plays today, but there's a lot of interesting information regarding this one. The light had a range of 25 nautical miles and was directly visible from the forest. Boom. The local police, when they arrived on the scene on December 26th, they did not see any other light other than that of the lighthouse. Boom. In the 1980s, the Orfordness Lighthouse was one of the brightest lighthouses in all of the UK. So the fact that it's visible from the forest, the fact that it's the brightest, stands Triple out. Boom. Triple boom. In a U.S. Air Force statement of witness in 1981, two of the original witnesses, Cabin Sag and Burroughs, wrote that they, quote, could see a beacon going around, so we went towards it. We followed it for about two miles or three kilometers before we could see it coming from a lighthouse, end quote. So many think that they were just seeing this lighthouse, but in that very same letter, Burroughs drew the picture of the craft. So again, I refer but back to the theme of- I mean, it could have been. The light that they saw very well could have been this lighthouse. Now, it draws into question, again, the radiation, but also they're, they're the ones that drew the triangular spacecraft. So then the, then you have to say, are you lying? Did you hallucinate? Yeah. Or did you actually see something? Because, again, the lighthouse doesn't address those elements. True. I mean, it it's kind of getting down to just, like, trusting them in their work. Here's the thing. Absolutely. I'm thinking it's piecing together like a Megazord. That's what I'm Power saying. Rangers, right? It's you just went with a way it's, it's, stronger metaphor. It's a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like this, this morphing like time. it's morphing time. The theories are piecing together like a Megazord. It's going to yeah. be a bunch of these things exactly. together. That's what I see. I didn't want to spill the beans, but now that, mm -hmm. that we're in the theories, this is what I was talking about. There are a lot of things that really make sense but they answer pieces of this story yeah. one at a time. I mean, but the thing is like, so far, the uh -huh. lighthouse and what was that, a comet? Uh, yeah, a meteor. Meteor, okay. So the lighthouse and the meteor, those things, they happened. Mm -hmm. and Around and, the same time. Yeah, and, and so just I, that we know to be true, that we know to be fact. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You gesture like Zeus. We know this. <laughs> oh, I did. And my arms went wide. <laughs> I looked too hard. <laughs> <I looked> at, <laughs> yeah. But again, oh, I love to be, I love to tease. I love to bury the lead, but there's a couple more theories that I really want to explore. Okay. Three more, in fact, two a little bit more specific. So the next theory we're going to talk about is that of a Soviet spy satellite. Now, there was an Anglo-American experimental over-the-horizon radar station in Orford Ness coming back to that same destination there in England. It was designed to detect missile threats coming from Russia. Now, if you know much about the Cold War or the Cuban Missile Crisis, this was a very common program, and there are missile detection sites all around the world because of these threats. This radar station went by the name of Cobra Mist, and the station was operational from 1971 to 1973. I'm not going to go into the, the colorful history of the building and the subsequent shutdown of this base, but it was active in those years. Years, many years prior to this incident, I'll say. Now, it is believed that the NSA used this station to emit an energy beam upon a Soviet spy satellite named the Russian Cosmos 749 rocket. The goal ultimately was to halt the trajectory of this Christmas Day missile in 1980. So essentially saying they lasered down 
a foreign spy satellite or missile of some nature. And that is what kind of came down, creating a crash site, and then subsequently was cleaned up before an investigation could take place later in that very day. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Oh. Sounds fanciful, doesn't it? Yeah, that, that sounds like, man, that, that, that is a, like a four-part TV series. Right. Like, I mean, that's a fast cleanup. It's a, it's a pretty fast cleanup, but if it's just a lasered down missile, true. You know, you're not going to have yeah. a whole lot. But I'm, is there, is there, uh, I'm, what I'm thinking about right now is there, is there any way to, if they clean it up before the investigation came through, I'm trying to think if there's any way to tie that to what they said they saw. Right. So, like, if you, if you want to go this route, I mean, again, you could have seen a meteor, or the other option is this. You saw a rocket re-entering over the northwest area of Europe, and that is what is coming through as the UFO reports. It being lasered down out of the sky, the falling debris, is what could have been those other lights. So one light going into five, and then those lights then disappearing could have been it burning out in the atmosphere with some pieces making it down. But to your point, though, it's a, it's a harder story to believe, and... On top of that, there's no evidence to confirm whether or not this re-entry had any direct correlation with the Rendlesham sightings only a few hours later. So, again, this is a distinct event that went down that night it's a really, hours earlier. really cool theory. It really is. It's so cool, it feels like a movie. Right. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, I mean, going, going back to, you know, something that we were already laid out earlier, mm -hmm. there was just, the thing too is like, there was no talks of like, one, it's usually one light. There were like five. Yeah. They burnt out. They usually don't. Um, And the thing is, like, it didn't seem like it changed trajectory. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Usually it's like it's hit a hovered or it went one way, then the other way. This yeah. is like it fell down. Yeah. Like it just like, you know, just creamed down from the sky. Right. And so... That's that's the thing. Most UFO sightings, it's like I saw a light in the sky and it moved. And right. I think the only kind of conversation about what was moving were in reference to the two northern lights and the yep. one southern light, and saying that they were moving Already in on the ground. weird angular ways. Yeah. The, normally, to your point, you you hear about well, it was it was going faster than it could possibly go, mm -hmm. and then suddenly changed direction, and then disappeared, then reappeared, like. That's usually what you hear, or you hear about lights in a line or in a pattern. Right. Uh, rarely do they split. I have heard about stories where a light becomes multiple, but they stay in a pattern. Yeah, they don't just continuously fall from yeah. the sky. You don't hear that with like UFO sightings. Yeah. Well, let's let's go down the rabbit hole before we back ourselves back up and close this one out. Let's let's talk about the theory that this was an honest to god UFO incident or some form of crash that was subsequently covered up by the Ministry of Defense. It all starts with the idea that the MOD did not believe that there was any significance to the sightings and subsequently didn't believe that uh, there should be an investigation. This, of course, raises the eyebrows of many skeptics because, you know, it's good to look at the world inquisitively. Mm -hmm. Though some wonder, based on the amount of documents from the MOD, if there might have been an actual deliberate cover-up. Though these documents are largely internal correspondence on Rendlesham rather than active investigatory procedures. Some people are like, well, there's a lot of documents, and other people are like, yeah, but that's just them talking about the one thing. Either way, in 2010, Halt signed a document claiming what he saw and what others saw was real, and that the UK and the US were both teaming up to cover this up. The document has since been known as the Halt Affidavit, 
and Halt restated what he and the others witnessed in Rendlesham and that he believed what they saw was of extraterrestrial origin. Basically just coming, kind of coming back to Halt himself and it's, it's, he's the linchpin for this being an extraterrestrial event. He claimed that other servicemen had revealed Woodbridge held nuclear weapons and that both the United States and the UK uh, have worked to cover up what happened that night. Royal Air Force Bentwaters was a former Air Force base that was a twin to the Royal Air Force Woodbridge, and Bentwater was uh, the home to a secret stash of nuclear weapons that held about 25 fortified underground bunkers. And so... Holy hell. I personally would say that regardless of this being a UFO thing or a spy thing or a just a natural phenomenon, mm-hmm. they would be inclined to sweep this away very right. quickly. Again, regardless of origin, mostly because of the sensitive nature of these bases yeah. and the climate they were in. Yeah, I mean, the climate would have a big part of it. And then kind of thinking about it now, I mean, as as much as you have the the force of those like two governments, I mean, think about how much faster you can clean things up. Mm-hmm. What if aliens are just us? From the future? No. Do you, do you think past tourism, like a, a zoo, like if you could... Do you think that's going to be a thing? Like in the year 5028, they're like, hey, I want to, for my vacation, I'm going to go back to 2018 and just watch them. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, some the way you said, just watch them. I mean, what do you do at a zoo? Scary. You just watch them. <laughs> so, so intimidating. <laughs> Anyways, to your question. Yeah, no. That they're just us. Uh, No, they're, they're like, they're just us. What if like we were a part of it, it at advance like what if we are the advanced alien race yeah and then there was a group aircraft flying around yeah and they're trying to get in contact with us but there there was a group that disbanded and wanted to essentially reset and go back and so they found this backwater planet Mm -hmm. landed Mm -hmm. restarted and then since then have just kind of been like trying to trying to keep yeah ourselves from informing ourselves of what we really are so we are phase two basically of a galactic colony but we're we're just like this under the radar off the books colony that is totally unaware of our own existence yes that's a fanciful story and i love it that's cool yeah, that's a that's a story idea right there. I want to yeah. watch that movie. All right, <laughs> copyrighted here. My Red Web Task oh, Force. Oh man, this could be a movie about that. We'd be like, we thought of that. <laughs> hey, good thing Task Force headquarters is working on a library. <laughs> we we got a writers department going. Again, we're completely understaffed. <laughs> we have about sixteen departments and two people. So I mean, things are molding and changing, and we're just taking out loan after loan to keep oh, this thing afloat. So many loans. I mean, it's, so many high interest loans. There's a lot of fraud happening. We keep taking loans out on people that don't exist. Um, uh, yeah, that'd be crazy. Future children will wake up to a task force loan already <laughs> on their record. <laughs> like, dang, unfortunately, your parents were task force members. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What if it's just us keeping our keeping our, uh, ourselves from ourselves? I think there's a lot of interesting ways that that angle could crack down, right? It could be us from the future. It could be yeah. us from another planet. It could be us right now with just top secret aircraft that are experimental and we just don't know about yet. Yeah, I mean, true. any level of that, I think, is so interesting to me. But to close out the idea of this being a cover-up, I'll say it kind of simply. There's a lot of conflicting, again, verbal reports regarding what went down on radar that night. You know, there was the one event from Heathrow saying, hey, we've we've pinged something on radar near Woodbridge. 
Royal Air Force Base. You should check that out. And then there's also some other lights. And so people are like, well, what about those other lights? Were they on radar? Answer, no. But then other military experts are coming forward saying, I disagree. I saw them on radar that night. However, the records were scrubbed. That is something that I I only want to discuss because I, I can't I can't get to the origin of that. I can't yeah. really scrutinize that for authenticity, but it is something that is consistently debated. You know what I mean? But with that said, we're going to move on to the final theory that is kind of a catch-all for a few different events that happened that night. And this really, this just throws a wrench into the whole, so many unique things went down that night. It was Uh-oh. a perfect melting pot to create something unsolved. It just turned out to be a UFO incident. So let's talk about what what this theory is, is that this is a hoax and uh, mm. or, or a hoax that got mixed up. Not Maybe not intentionally a hoax, but something just a little bit more mundane. And this is a major theory behind the Rendlesham incident. So let's talk about it. A former U.S. policeman, Kevin Cond, told BBC in June of 2003 that he was the one responsible for the lights. Get this. He said that that night he was driving around and and these were the results of him modifying his lights on his police vehicle and then driving around the forest that night. The modification of his police vehicle was supposedly part of a police exercise with him saying this, quote, I drove my patrol car out of sight from the gatehouse, turned on the red and blue emergency lights and pointed my white flashlights through the mist into the air. That answers the blue, the red, and the white lights that the craft was described to have had. Following the fact that the event occurred in a few days following Christmas, it's unlikely that exercises would have been conducted on these days, right? It's certainly 3 a.m. following Christmas. So there's a bit of a wrinkle in that, but it does answer if he's driving through the forest with these bright lights. But it does seem like a super, like, sole purpose of one person mundane exercise. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it's not, it's just him, right? So it's just, just like, like he's let me like, just do I, this. Just, I gotta get this done at some point. Let me do this. Or it's just, just, uh, just being a goofball and just yeah. rolling around with modified lights. It's or just something. so weird. Just to be like, yeah, it was a cop that installed angel lights on his vehicle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, the fact that this came out 23 years later, the fact that it tries to answer everything in one fell swoop left a lot of skeptics to believe that Khan was asked by the U.S. Air Force to come forward with this story as a way to essentially cover up the potential UFO research going down. But again, if this was factual, that that went down that night, now you have this satellite incident, this missile incident, you have a meteor, you have an actual lighthouse, and now you have a cop running lights through the woods that night. These all very nicely answer things now it's really hard to delineate fact from fiction. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that happened at like three in the morning. The thing is, half of that is actually factual. Mm. Right? The lighthouse and then the comet. Right. Was the was the missile thing also factual to some degree? Maybe not the lasering down of it, but Christian, that like uh that there was in fact a missile, or was that just hearsay that it re-entered the atmosphere over, over northwest Europe? Because then if that is as well, to some degree, then it's like, man, boy, oh boy, was that an active hour. Mm-hmm. It was indeed a factual event. There's a, yeah. a report the? on the re-entry that can be found uh, on the, the Journal of the British Astronomical Association. You can go yeah, yeah. It. I was just confirming because that's what I thought. Like, yeah, that absolutely. was a few like, hours that before right. that incident. There you go. 
Yeah. There you go. That's the saber tooth tiger leg of the Megazord. Oh, what? <laughs> That's the chest piece. <laughs> Was the, the saber tooth should have been the head. That's the cool part. I mean, rather than a human face with a crown on it, just pterodactyl. Oh man, I don't remember. Depends on which which oh, Power Rangers franchise you're yeah. into. Alfredo's already on it. I'm not even going to bother. Oh, it. yeah. Yeah. The right leg was Sabretooth. The mm-hmm. left leg was Triceratops. Uh, the Macedon was the shield. The T-Rex was essentially like the body piece. And then the front shield of that plate was uh, the pterodactyl. And of course, the head flips from like the... Right. Yeah. From <sighs> the T-Rex. Yeah. There you go. We pieced together the the Megazord. Oh, that is this mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea then that whoever's sitting in the they're all sitting in the chest piece. Let's be real. But if somebody was sitting in the head, <laughs> like that, that's what, they're I all there. Be but, but before they all suddenly just end up in the same control room, they all have their own. What if you were sitting in the head piece? The head rotates, but your your gear malfunction, and so your chair rotates with the head. <laughs> so you're just like, guys, I'm stuck upside down. Like. Doesn't matter. We're fighting right now. Yeah. <laughs> a malfunction during that, like, it must be frequent. Like, oh, yeah. that's not going to function. I want to like... see all the Power Rangers episodes where they had tech malfunctions. <laughs> yeah. You know? We work with tech daily and every day. Every is day. An issue. Yeah. But to continue on with the idea of this being a hoax, we have the police officer now coming forward. Uh, and then, as recently as December 2018, British UFO researcher David Clark reported a claim that the incident was a revenge plotted by the SAS on the U.S. Air Force. The story claims that on August of 1980, the SAS parachuted into the Royal Air Force Woodbridge to probe the perimeters of the site and test their security measures. The U.S. Air Force detected the SAS men entering their base on the radars, and the SAS troops were criticized as, quote, unidentified aliens. And so... It was almost like maybe a revenge or maybe a secret training thing or whatever, but basically to test the abilities of this this base. They were like, let's just send in a couple of troops and see if they catch them. I don't know. That's very random. It's very random. Hey, adjacent base. You know what? Let's just go ahead and test their defenses. Right. Like some sort of weird prank. And as it goes, they were interrogated and beaten up. So some believe the SAS told the U.S. Air Force what? their own version of the story from what? that night as payback, basically just throwing out a bunch of hearsay. But as it continues on, it says, quote, as December approached, lights and colored flares were rigged in the woods. Black helium balloons were also coupled to remote controlled kites to carry suspended materials into the sky, activated by radio controls. So after further investigation, Clark ruled this story out as a hoax. But these are two potential hoax centric answers as to what went down that night almost like prankish um it very much is two things one why wouldn't they just come forward and be like hey look it was just a hazing or a pranking of like and why are you doing that at a military base true it's boys being boys um going even uh just a step back yeah why are you beating up people from an adjacent i'd be like look i just let me just Go down the block and show you that I'm from that base. I don't yeah. understand the whole. Well, then it's like you made me scared. Yeah. You made me think aliens were real. Oh yeah, you want to test know. our defenses? Test these fists. <laughs> <laughs> How does this alien fist taste? I I don't know. It's just Christian. Was this just a, a story, or was this also one of those proven events? I I, I don't know. Swear I swear, you told me a, that this was proven. I believe it's a hoax. 
ultimately. It or, must like, be just The thing is, it's hearsay. widely believed as hoax, but, you know, what if it was also just swept under the rug? And the MOD is just saying, listen, there's nothing of security or defensive importance here that's just... It's just idiots. Okay, please just mm -hmm. stop looking into it because it Pretty makes much. our Air Force look embarrassing. Yeah, we're not going to say this because then you guys just would be like, oh, why are they, you know, messing around? Right. They should be doing their job. Right. Tax paying time. Right. You know? Yeah, just from a quick look, it's reported on, but it doesn't look like there's any verifiable proof that this happened. Yeah. Either way, though, the Rendlesham UFO incident here in this forest is, is a really interesting one. You can see why it gets called the Britain's Roswell incident. There's a lot of similar factors in play. There's a lot of misinformation in play. Either way, as someone who finds the UFO stories and sightings very intriguing and loves space and loves the idea of thinking about extraterrestrial beings, this story is fascinating. I think it's fascinating uh, as, as, because it's like... As much as it is frustrating. It, it's a good chunk of it is like a grounded UFO incident. Yeah. Most of, the, most of them are like in the sky. Right. There's not a lot of fanciful like these crazy things happened. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like, I saw this and so on and so on and so but forth. But also, of course, there had to be a damn lighthouse. Of course, there had to be a, a, right. a, a like a meteor shower. Or a missile shower coming in while the, a meteor was coming down. Oh, oh, while, while the course. UK's brightest lighthouse is shining down on the forest. While some guys probably drunkenly stupering through the forest, what? making up, I don't know. What if it was an alien that was like, it's time to reveal ourselves. <laughs> and then all this other stuff happened. No, 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 no. I'm over here. And we're like, no, no, no. Like this right here. Like I'm trying to invite yeah. you guys to like the Come intergalactic society. Yeah. And just so many things happen. We're just like, nah, that's, that never. He's that like never the aliens down. tapping his little webbed foot, looking at his watch going, they should have been here by now. Yeah. They would have seen me. Yeah. They have the technology. They got the technology, man. What? And then he, he's like, screw it. They're all distracted by these other events. I'm going to get in my craft. He gets back in. He sat down. He's buckling his safety belt. has got 13 harnesses and he's pushing all the buttons. 13 horses. He's pushing all yeah, the he's buttons. He's pushing a lot of Gs. And then, and he's like, I guess I'll get out of here just in time for a crew to roll up, see the right. craft and see him leave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just, we missed intergalactic We missed peace. the invite. You know, a galactic trade federation, a handshake deal with the great beyond by seconds because we were distracted by a falling rock. <laughs> Man, not only does that a lighthouse. would that have been unfortunate. Also, like, do we want to know about that? Like, we would be on, like, such a low tier on that food chain. Yeah. If we're invited, they're yeah. like, all right, we'll let them in. Sure. Like, look here come the Stone Age, folks. Right. Whoa, like, they got we, touch screens. We would be <laughs> all right. such a low tier. Gas Maybe your planes. I'm sure or there's a group of low tier. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. other planets that are also in that group. Right. But we'd be looking, like, look at, the, they could travel. They have already conquered multiple planets. Right. They don't have to deal with, like, uh, poverty or health issues or anything. Right. We would just be. A they're bunch gonna, of jealous a-holes. If we bring them in, they're going to muddy up our paradise. You know? But yeah, we probably have. Paradise. You know, I, I stand by my own personal theory that all these UFO incidents are just, just pranksters. You know, teens with tech from the great beyond. All these aliens that, like, you know, they, they take their dad's UFO on a nice little mm -hmm. spin. They come down and basically do the interstellar equivalent of throwing rocks at us. And then they leave. You know, they're just like, look at, these, look at these little guys. <laughs> They're gonna, oh, they're going to yeah. tell stories about us. Bye. And then they leave. And then we're just left going like, wow, were we contacted? And they're just like, <laughs> what a prank. Well, where are Remember they? last night when we got 
drunk on alien wine and went to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are the aliens that want to help us then that are having the infomercials of like... They're looking at us through rocks like, at each other and saying, for, nah. for a little bit of our technology, we can help, you two can help these humans Bro, live a better you, life. And it's like, are you, you serious? <laughs> it's like, where are the, where are the, where are the people that want to like, where are the aliens that want to like save us and like better, you know, don't want, don't want to see us dying and at war. If you're hanging in the rainforest and you see a lemur come down from the top <laughs> canopies, are you going to say, let me introduce to you my smartphone? The lemur, the lemur uh, kingdom can become one with the humans. I'm just, I'm we're too just, far beyond. So we look down upon them, much like aliens would look down upon us. Oh, why we would can they communicate? Why would they reach if out? If lemurs could communicate, be like, "How you doing, little homie? You need anything?" Dolphins, no? dolphins have language. They do. We've we've marked it like at least a hundred uh, words. I don't know of what those words That's are, but like insane. when they measure their patterns of like, yeah sounds there's like a, a repetition to it that's akin to language now would we reach out and try to be like let's create a bond mr dolphin we'll reach out and be like you good anything we can do for you guys geek, geek, geek. and they probably be like stop with the damn environment abuse. oh right they're like yeah we, we could we could start by cleaning up all the plastic in the pacific yeah. choking up my aunt and uncle <laughs> jesus i don't know i just gave a really like personal story for a dolphin but yeah, I don't know. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah. Will we know in our lifetime? Probably not. I don't know, man. You think back the last hundred years, you think of how much has changed, how much is common knowledge now. We might. We don't know what this world will See, look like in 50 years. what if that's years. the advanced humans behind the scenes and there's a new new Wait person in charge and they're like, you know what? Wait this is going too slow. Let's trickle in a little more technology. Are you telling me that this is future task force messing with us right now? Next generation task force interfering with first generation task force. Love to see it. Well, we could well, use some future funding though. Yeah, we could. Also, like you know, maybe a picture of Bigfoot. Right. Come on. Like, help us break out. Right. <laughs> like, you know? come on. The space is crowded. Right. Give us something. It's like going back to Beethoven and handing him all of his music, <laughs> saying, "Go for it." Like, yeah. come on. Just you would have got here eventually. Come. Yeah. Just come back. Crack open all these cases that we're already gonna crack open. Yeah. Just crack them open for us. You know. Just. Save that budge. But anyway, this has been the Rendlesham Forest mystery. The incident continues us. This is week two. We have two more episodes coming mm -hmm. um, on eerie, creepy forests around the world, whether it be paranormal or UFO incidents or true crime. Right. There's a lot of spooky forests out there. And so we wanted to cover some of those this month. Yeah. Uh, with that said, Fredo, I'll see you back here next Monday for another forest mystery. It was all those things or some of those things put together. And that's the thick ghost baby stamp of approval. Yeah. Can't be wrong. You say it all. <laughs> <laughs>